Welcome to Meanwhile in the Future, a podcast about, yes, the future. Every week we take on a possible or not so possible future scenario. Every episode we start with a little trip to the future to see what's going on before coming back to now to talk to experts about what that future might actually look like. Ready? Great. This week we're starting in the year 2019. After several days of strange data coming in from universities and telescopes worldwide, scientists have confirmed what once seemed impossible. The Earth has stopped rotating the sun. An international team of scientists issued a statement today saying that should the rotation of the Earth not begin again, the planet is destined for destruction. Life as we know it, the report claims, has approximately 40 days left. always wanted that roadster now is literally your last chance to get it head to your local bmw dealer today to get incredible deals on the last convertibles ever made deals like these only happen once in a lifetime what will you do with your 40 days come to mcsplashland it's gonna be hot might as well enjoy the last few weeks with your family relaxing by the pool blazing sun specials start at 34 dollars a day Your last meal should be the last thing on your mind. And now with our special end of day's dinners, it can be. Just pop the pre-made dinner into the oven and continue living your last moments with the ones you love. Deals like these only happen once in a lifetime. So the Earth has stopped rotating around the sun and is now falling very quickly to its fiery death. Oh, and those of you who are asking for more optimistic episodes will have to wait because in this one, everybody dies. It's getting much darker than I anticipated. (laughs) I've got to say, you need a happy ending at some point soon, but this isn't that. (laughs) That's Atish Bhatia. I am a science writer and I'm an engineering educator here in Princeton University's Council on Science and Technology. Bhatia actually wrote a blog post about this scenario for Wired.com, where he walked through the day-by-day count of what happens on our planet as it hurtles into the sun. Once the Earth stops rotating and begins its freefall, the planet has exactly 64 and a half days before it crashes into the sun. So let's start the clock. Day one. We learn the Earth has stopped. Even before the physical effects of our fall start, the panic begins. Within a few days, like, people are going to figure that out. It might even happen in a few hours, really. Would the people who find this out, like, immediately reveal it to everybody and just start kind of wide-scale chaos and uh, anarchy? I I don't know. Or or would it be something that, like, is kept as a secret for some time and then sort of amateur astronomers are also figuring it out and then everyone's figuring it out because there's all this kind of publicly accessible data on, you know, just the weather is, is warming really quickly. How do people cope with the idea that they have just a few weeks left to live? I don't really know. I can, I can, it, it's not going to be good, for sure. Like, I can imagine it would be um, wide-scale paranoia, chaos, and people just kind of losing it. <laughs> and since I'm apparently the morbid one here, I would guess that there would be mass suicide. Why wait to die of starvation and heat stroke? No, that's a, that's a grisly thought that I probably have been trying not to think about (laughs) during this conversation. (laughs) Day six, things start to really heat up. It's about like under a degree Celsius, about like 0.8 degrees Celsius warmer. It's about 1.4 degrees Fahrenheit. In one week, we've sort of 
replayed all of global warming thus far. So that's a pretty shocking change already. Day 21. It's really, really hot. Yeah, so now, now we're really getting into it. So three weeks in, the whole global temperature has risen by about 10 degrees Celsius. And so that means that overall, the average temperature of the planet Earth is about 35 Celsius. So that's like 95 degrees Fahrenheit. That's the average global temperature. So it's going to be much hotter than that in some places. And it's going to be somewhat cooler than that in other places. Already, the power grid is failing in most places. And people are definitely dying. That much of a spike at least locally, you know, like in the period of a summer, has happened in the past. So there was like a, a heat wave in Europe in 2003 where they had something on the order of, you know, a, a 10 degree Celsius rise in summer temperatures. And that was completely, you know, that was really devastating. That, that was like tens of thousands of lives lost. So already in week three, you have basically the most intense global heat wave that the world has ever seen. You have crops that are definitely, you know, failing, starting to fail. You probably have, like, high risk of forest fires and things like that. So it's a completely altered planet uh, just, just three weeks into this. Day 35. We've been falling for a month. Here, we're starting to see the true end of humanity. Yeah, so we're now, like, one-fifth closer. And so at this point, the, temp- the average temperature in the, in the entire world is, you know, something close to like 60 degrees Celsius, which is like about 140 Fahrenheit. So like at this point, when the Earth is that hot, you probably, I mean, it's, it, it, it would probably be something like a burning planet. Like I imagine you would have like literally forest fires ravaging through the wilderness. By now, it's pretty much all over for humans. But there will be a whole bunch of organisms that will survive past our tenure on this doomed planet. There are some really like kind of curious animals. So if you think there's there's this thing called the Saharan silver ant, which is kind of this sort of fascinating extreme creature. It, it can produce these sort of heat shock proteins that help it stay alive in extreme heat. And it's covered in these sort of silvery hairs, which basically both reflect heat, but also help it r- lose heat. And so this little guy can stay alive, you know, around temperatures of like in the 50 Celsius region, 53, 54. So this guy is like maybe just scraping by in some places or is also extinct. And then you have another kind of ant, the Saharan desert ant. This guy actually can survive up to like 70 degrees Celsius. So that, that one might still be doing okay. So it's sort of, it, this is like a world where you have these kind of extreme scavengers that are, that are still hanging on. One upside for the ants. There will be a whole lot of dead stuff for them to eat. Day 41. It's really really hot. So so now pretty much like almost all the animals are are dead. It's just too hot for them. The average temperature is like 170 Fahrenheit. That's 76 Celsius. So this is like, you know, it's beyond the operating conditions of animals. Um, but but you still have a few kind of extremophiles really like these creatures that can just uh, are are holding on. And one of them is this fascinating worm, I guess. It's called it's called the Pompeii worm. It kind of looks like a like a like a slug that's covered in this kind of fluorescent fuzz. Um, it's it's kind of a beautiful looking small animal. It's, it's like five inches long. And they are found I think only in like hydrothermal vents in the Pacific Ocean. And they're like some of the most kind of heat tolerant kind of complex animals that are that are known to science, I guess. And so they they could still actually just about be holding on. 
Sadly, the Pompeii worm's time will end soon enough as well. Day 47, the day of the tardigrades. So day 47 is a, is a momentous day. Unfortunately, there'll be no, no one alive at this point to mark this momentous day, but we, we are leaving the Goldilocks zone, which is basically that region of a solar system that's, you know, it's called Goldilocks because it's like not too hot, not too cold. It's sort of capable of sustaining life. And so what's happening right now on day 47 is that we've left the Goldilocks zone. It's so hot that the ambient temperature is like 103 Celsius. So it's now more than the boiling point of water. And so literally like liquid water is going to stop existing. It's like the earth is going to be this sort of steam bath, ultra humid, completely unrecognizable place. Um, but but this, yeah, so, so now we come to the, the tardigrades. So the tardigrades, which are these, I mean, they're, they're kind of known to be the toughest known living things. Um, they're, they're so tough that they've kind of, I think they've even survived in the vacuum of space for some amount of time. Like, it, it's kind of amazing what they're capable of. And so at this point, when we've sort of left the Goldilocks zone, I, I kind of picture the tardigrades as kind of, you know, starting to notice that, hey, there's, there's something weird going on here. We should probably start dealing with this. And what I imagine that they might be doing is sort of that they can, they can kind of bunker down into this like dehydrated state where they kind of lose all their water and they, they kind of suspend their metabolism. So they're kind of in this state of almost suspended animation, kind of curled up into a tiny ball. They've been able to stay alive in, in those kinds of states for like, I think up to n nearly a decade. So I, I kind of imagine tardigrades are like, bunkering down right now, you know, they're sort of going into this um, suspended animation state to, to protect themselves. But again, they won't be the sole survivors on Earth for very much longer. Day 54. Here, we pause in a moment of silence for the tardigrades. So the ambient temperature is, um, it's like 160 Celsius. I have little, little hope that anything else is alive. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be wrong about that because there's always crazy things that can do amazing, that can su survive in amazing conditions. Um, but I would say day 54 is definitely a farewell to the tardigrades that we know. And it's probably a farewell to almost all life on Earth as we know it. Day 57. Congratulations, Earth. You are now the closest planet to the sun. Um, unfortunately, that's a title that we're only going to hold for one more week. At this point, it is now 200 degrees Celsius, or 392 degrees Fahrenheit, on the surface of the Earth. Day 64, our final day. The day our lovely blue dot slams into the fiery ball that is our sun. But how exactly we slam into the sun is actually a point of contention among scientists. So there's actually some debate here, um, which is <laughs> kind of interesting. It's like, you know, you have to be... Uh, technically accurate in your completely implausible doomsday scenarios. So, so let's see. So, so what's probably going to happen by like noon, you know, which is like one hour to doomsday, is that um, the temperature is so hot that um, it's hot enough to melt rock. And so the Earth is probably not completely solid anymore, although it'll probably take some time to start melting rock. So this is where the debate is. If, are we going to be liquid? like a liquid ball of magma by the time we're hitting the sun, or are we going to be a solid ball? Either way, what's happening when we get so close to the sun is that the sun is actually pulling at the, like the, 
closer part of the Earth. It's pulling on the closer part of the Earth with more force than it is pulling on the rear part of the Earth. And so it actually will have the effect of kind of stretching the Earth out into this kind of oval shape. And now what could possibly happen at this point by the time we hit 1 p.m. or really um, around, yeah, around about 1 p.m., is that this oval kind of just falls into the sun. Like, that's, that's, that's the end. That's the doom, final doomsday. But what else could happen is that we pass this kind of imaginary line of no return called the Roche limit. And what that is is that these kind of tidal forces, this difference in gravity uh, by the sun pulling in the front and the back of the Earth is so extreme that it literally... This oval gets like longer and longer and longer and longer, and it kind of just falls apart into shreds. So it's possible if we have a liquid Earth that we would just be like torn apart into little pieces that would then eventually fall into the sun. Or if we had a solid Earth, then we would just have this like really um, stretched out oval thing that just sort of goes right into the sun. Thankfully, you really, really do not have to worry about this scenario at all. In one of your previous podcasts, you did something about what if we had a second moon and you had like something pulling that moon into, into place? Space pirates, yeah. So, so this scenario is totally in space pirate territory. <laughs> I think we should be clear on that. Now, you might be wondering, well, what if we tried to escape? We've got about 34 days of human ingenuity left. Why not head to space? Surely the combined minds of NASA and SpaceX and all of those scientists could figure out a way to save at least a few humans? There are a few complicating factors here, too. They would have to redo all their orbital calculations to take into account the new state of the Earth, you know? Because you, you couldn't just kind of plug it into your off-the-shelf kind of orbital calculation machine. So you, there, there would be a lot of work just in figuring out how to get somewhere. And even if they did manage to get off the sunward-bound Earth... What exactly would they do next? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm imagining almost some, you know, scenario like the book The Martian. <laughs> it's like if, if anyone could, could leave, and it's probably going to be like this, like, very fortunate and probably wealthy few people. I, um, I don't even know, like, where would they go? Yeah, it would be like the ultimate kind of depressing survivor situation I can't even imagine and yeah and the most kind of profound kind of loneliness but of course you know that someone would try yeah I can totally imagine Elon Musk in his submarine you know trying to head to the seafloor or something I don't even know <laughs> for more about how the earth is totally not going to crash into the sun ever and what that might look like if it did happen head to gizmodo.com where we'll post more information about this highly unlikely doomsday Meanwhile, In the Future is a podcast from Gizmodo. It's produced by me, Rose Evelith, with help from the Gizmodo staff. The intro music is by Asura, and the outro music is by Broke for Free. Special thanks this week to Jay Ingram, Sean Hollister, Mike Rignetta, and George Zaiden. Special thanks also to the BAMP Center, which is where I'm recording this right now. If you like Meanwhile in the Future, it would be super awesome if you went to iTunes and left us a nice review. If you hate Meanwhile in the Future, why are you still listening? If you want to talk to us about this episode or other features that we could do, or just to say hi, you can email us at overthinkingit at gizmodo.com or say hello to us on Twitter. That's all for this future. Come back next week and we'll explore a different one. Hold up. 